Hello, people of God. And people aren't of God, whatever. You're most welcome to be here today. You are watching Anchor with Hope with Father Larry Richards. I am Father Larry Richards, in case you don't get that. Today is November the 31st, the Feast of St. Andrew the Apostle. And we are coming to you from Erie, Pennsylvania, where the sun is actually out today, and it's up to 47 degrees. We had like 12 inches of snow in the area, um, uh, not in Erie proper, but right outside of Erie, just a couple miles. So um, it's good to have the sun is out, and it's a little bit warmer, and so we're very, very excited. So uh, let's begin in prayer. And in the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Great God of love and mercy, we thank you for another year spiritually that you have given us and for another new beginning that you give us this Sunday as we begin Advent, as we begin another year with you. Father, help us more than anything to strive to know your will and to do your will to be people that only choose to please you and to do as you ask because you ask it. We beg you these things, Holy Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good Saint Joseph, pray for us. Now, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Well, welcome. Today, as we celebrate the Feast of St. Andrew, you know, it wasn't in the gospel today, but it's in another gospel. Um where Andrew was the first one of the apostles to meet Jesus. And he goes to Peter and he says, we have found the Messiah. And Andrew took Peter to Jesus. And it's uh, good when we are people like Andrew and we see our purpose as to take people to meet Jesus. What a great thing to just take people to Jesus not take people to ourselves, not get people to think of the church the way we think of the church, but just to introduce people to Jesus and then let Jesus take them the way he wants to take them. And so often, though, you know, even in my own life throughout these years, I've watched people bring people to Jesus the way they think Jesus has to be. And they tell him, okay, this is what you need to do in different things. And part of that's correct. But part of it is you just do the introduction and help them to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And Jesus, who is God, will lead them as long as they enter into this intimacy with God. It's something that needs to happen, and that's what we all got to be doing. Again, sometimes we sit there and we say, okay, I want you to know Jesus, but you need to know this, this, and this, this too. And it has nothing really to do with Jesus. It has to do with our opinion in the church and da-da-da-da-da, whether we're liberals or conservatives or everything else, instead of just leading them to Jesus. That, that's our job. He took them to Jesus. And Jesus made uh, Peter the first pope, you know. But Andrew did his part. He took them to Jesus. So... Uh, we want to think about that as we begin this new church here. Again, as I said at the beginning, we live in a, in a liturgical year, if you will, that the liturgical year begins with the first Sunday of Advent and ends um, with the first with the solemnity of Christ the King, but we're still in this week, another uh, two days, and then... Uh, with the vigil mass, we start a new year. And if you notice, we begin 
with the um, preparing for Jesus in the Old Testament, the promise of Jesus, Jesus is born, and then we go through his whole life every year, and to his death and his resurrection, and then all the way up into um, him being king of the universe and our, all, our own walk with him one day to be with him in his kingdom. And so as we end this spiritual year and we begin a new year, we need to really make sure that as we begin this year that it's a year that we live in God. So um, I talked about last week uh, a little bit about what I'm going to be doing with my parish. And I told you to be focusing on, you know, start with five things every day you're grateful for and something. And we started that for uh, uh for Thanksgiving Day, but I want to go deeper, and uh, we're going to expand that some more, so I've been uh, putting the sheet together that I'm going to be handing out. I already talked about it in the bulletin article, uh, but I'm finishing the sheet that'll go out to everybody on Saturday, and then I will put it online, too, as I did for Lent, that anyone of you can uh, download it and uh, uh, walk with us, or really walk more with God and our Blessed Mother um, this Advent. So what we're going to be doing is, and for all of us, I just think it's a good preparation for Advent and uh, how do we can be living our lives because we're going to focus on Mary because everything began with Mary, right? The original sin began with Eve and her saying no to God. And now redemption begins with Mary and her saying yes to God. And what did she say yes to? She said yes to God's holy will. And because she said yes to God's holy will, she brought salvation to herself uh, and to the world. And she got to be our example that every day we have choices to say yes to our will and no to God's will or yes to God's will and no to our will if it's separate or it's different from what God's will is. Uh, So, We want to focus on Mary this uh, Advent and do as Mary did. And so what I did on the list I gave people uh, that that they will get this weekend, everything's in the first chapter of Luke. And so if you go to uh, the book of Luke with me, Matthew, Mark, Luke, in the first chapter, we start off in verse 38, 138. We start a whole conference of women here uh, our women's conference is called 138 Women. And um, it was started because of this verse. You know, uh, it's the fiat verse, the let it be done to me verse. And uh, what we do is we make sure that uh, we say yes also to God's holy will. Uh, because that's how we bring salvation to ourselves, our families, into the world, by saying yes. So here in 138, Uh, It says very simply, and everybody I'm guessing here that's watching this would know this. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord or the servant of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Or fiat, let it be done to me. And so it's saying, yes, I want your will more than I want my next breath. So uh, just to give you a a little summary of what we're going to be doing is every day there's going to be a room for one word. And there's, uh, we're going to be focusing on three things. One is yes or fiat to God's will. And what is God asking me to do today? Then the next one is going to be serve. And we'll get into that here for the very next uh, 
scripture verse in, in chapter 1, verse 39. Here, immediately what happens, it says, uh, let it be done to me according to your word. And with that, the angel departed from her. And the very next line saying, during those days, Mary set out and traveled in haste to the town of Judah, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Again, so here she sent out in haste to serve. So the first thing is, yes, so every day I'm asking people to pray about what is God asking you to do in your life and put one word there um, to remind you what he's asking you. So let's say he's asking you to surrender, or he's asking you to pray more, or he's asking you to uh, do something for someone else, to put a word there to remind you, because you have to do this every day for the all four weeks. It's not four full weeks. It's uh, three weeks in a day. Uh, not even that, really, just three weeks, because Christmas Eve is on a Sunday this year. So it's uh, very fast. And to sit there and to focus on, okay, what's God asking me to say yes to? And then the second thing, it's going to just, there's just a line with the word serve on it. How is God asking me to serve? Is he asking me to pray for somebody? Now we're going to be doing this as a parish because I really want everyone in the parish to be doing something. Um, I often talk about all these years I've been pastor, that there are no takers in Christianity. There's only givers. So you just can't show up at mass. And people get mad at me. You know, people leave the parish. I get it. Because the call is not about being a member of a country club. Here, I'll come here, I'll give you money, I just give me what I want. I said, I'm never going to do that. Huh? Ain't going to happen. Um, I'm here as a pastor to get everybody to heaven. Now, Jesus is the one who saves us, not Father Larry Richards. But I got to tell people what Jesus says so they can hear it. And so my job is to get everyone in my parish to heaven. And so we all must serve. We must, we must, we must. We must build up the body. So at Christmas, what we're going to have people do is they're going to be praying about this for the three weeks. And then on Christmas, there's going to be a big basket in front of the creche. And they have to give like a Christmas card. It will give them to give to Jesus and tell Jesus what ministry they're going to be, what gift they're going to give. They'll have to commit to it for a year. What kind of ministry are they going to do uh, to build up his body and to be a member of the parish? But that's for your parish. That's for the world. Whatever God's asking you to do, that he's calling you to serve. Even if you're homebound, you can be praying for people. You can start a prayer list. You can get involved in, uh, like at our parish, we have a prayer line. So we put it out, who needs prayers, and everybody prays. So even if you're in a nursing home in a wheelchair, you can't get out. If you can sit there and watch TV, you can pray. So everybody must do something for the building up of the body. Again, if anyone had the right to sit there and say, I got to take care of myself first. Jesus is inside of me. I am the mother of God. I got to make sure that everything is okay. Immediately, because Christ was within her, she went to serve somebody else. That's just one of the surest signs of being a follower of Jesus Christ. Mary showed that. So again, if you are not involved in some type of ministry, some type of service, you're not living the what God wants you to do. 
He doesn't ever, again, that's why I've said a million times, any kind of spirituality that keeps us focused on ourselves and our holiness that doesn't have anything to do with service is not of God. God, even if a person's called to a Carmelite monastery and or a cloister, they must spend their life in service of prayer for the building up of the body of the church. It isn't a selfish life. There, there is no selfish life in Christianity. There is no lone rangers in Christianity. It can't ever be about just you or just me. It's always about us. Heaven is all of us together. So we learn to serve now. Remember, we talked many times about the woman who, one of the very first uh, mother-in-law of uh, St. Peter, when Jesus healed her, he healed her. And what did she do? She served. So we all must do some type of service. So I just don't want people just to jump on it. Okay, I'll do it. Just shut up, Father. Uh-uh. Ask the Lord what he's asking you to do. You got three weeks to pray about this. And then when he makes it clear, say, okay, Jesus, I will do that. Put it on a piece of paper and say, this is my gift to you. For the next year, I will do as you ask. So, but first we got to make sure we're listening to God in prayer. So that's why uh, we have to say yes, that God, I want your will more than I want my next breath. So it's just trying to teach people that salvation isn't a selfish reality. Salvation costs Jesus his life and he gives us his life. And once he gives us his life and he starts living into us and inside of us, then the Jesus that lives inside of you and me is always saying yes to the Father's will and is always wanting to serve. So if I'm letting Jesus Christ truly live inside of me, I'm always saying yes to God's will and I'm always serving. Huh? And so then the, the third part that we have to do every day, focus on saying yes to God's will. What is your will? Help me to say yes to it. And not just, I think sometimes people think that God's will for me uh, focuses on uh, just my vocation in life. God has a particular will for you every day, right? If you're alive today, God has a reason you're alive. And so you have to ask him, why am I alive today? What do you want me to do? Huh? Um, do you want me to make peace with somebody? Do you want me to uh, bake a, uh, cookies for my shut-in neighbor next door? Do you want me to put a blessing bag together? I was seeing that. I thought it was very fantastic where you keep in your car a Ziploc bag with, like, gloves in there or a, a winter hat, um, some energy bars, uh, a $5 bill, and uh, you just give it to a homeless person. It's a blessing bag. You know, does he want you to do something like that? Uh, does he want you to start uh, getting involved in uh, taking care of a child in a third world country? I don't know. But every day, God has a plan for you. So I want to teach my people to learn to sit there with God every day and find out what he wants and to seek his will more than anything and to put that on just one line. Okay, what's God asking me today? And then part of that, then how's God asking me to serve today? What's he asking me to do? And what's he asking me to do for my parish? What kind of ministry am I going to be involved in? What kind of, uh, uh, it's going to show me that I'm going to build up his body. And so uh, that's the second part. The third part here comes from Mary's Magnificat. Huh? And so here it says, and this is uh, still in the first chapter of Luke, 
And it says, and Mary said, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. This is verse 46, 47, and 48. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked upon my lowliness. And from this day, all generations will call me blessed. Because the Lord has done great things to me, verse 49. And holy is his name. So again, this is where we come to praise God. So Mary, after she said yes, after she served, then she says, God has done great things for me, and she thanked him and she praised him. So every day there's something to praise God and thank him for. So every day I'm going to have our people, and you, if you want to follow along, have a good advent. First, what is God asking of you? What is his will? Are you going to really stop and ask God every day what his will is before you tell him all your needs and wants and desires? Will you say, I am your servant, I am here to do what you want me to do, and I'll do anything you want me to do, and then you shut up long enough so he can tell you that. Then you have to write that down. The second part is, how do you want me to serve? Uh, how do you want me to build up the body, but how do you want me to serve today? What kind of act of service would you like me to do? And then do it. And then when it comes to that, to every day, start off your day praising God for something. What has God done for you that you are blessed? You know, again, uh, I've talked about this many times. I talk about it with my people. Um, and some of them, uh, you know, I do drive my parishioners crazy. You do know that. Huh? And so when I sit there and if you listen to the homily and I say, how are you? And they have to all say blessed. And you can just see some of them, like, I hate doing this. Uh, but again, if I ask you how you are and you say, I'm good, I'm bad, whatever, you're calling attention to yourself and you say, well, Father, uh, you ask me how I am, I'm telling you, absolutely. But you should, instead of uh, drawing people to you, you should point them to Jesus first and then you can tell them how you are. You can say, I am blessed because God has done great things for me, but I'm really struggling. You know, like uh, my stepfather's uh, in hospice, I told you, and my brother called me the other day, he stopped there was a, as a mess. And again, these last years have been uh, family struggles with me. So I am very blessed for everything God does for me. But I still have stress in my life with my family, uh, with my stepfather and his struggles. I mean, there's still um, struggles. So we're not saying that there is no struggles. We're not saying that... Uh, your life is perfect, and everything is just joy after joy after joy. But there's so much to praise God for. Gosh, you know, just like this morning, I woke up and I just uh, to thank to thank God, thank God for another day. The sun is uh, in Erie, Pennsylvania today, which never happens. Well, once or twice a year to thank God for that, to thank God for the warmth that the snow is melting, to thank God I have a, a nice bed <coughs> in great covers and a dog named Joe and that I can eat today and I live in a house and there's so many people in the world that don't even live in a house and I have a toilet and so many people don't even have toilets and I have heat in the house when yesterday was in the 20s and uh, how cold it was outside and I'm thinking I am in a nice car and with heat in it and I live in a house with heat in it, and I have my health by God's grace right now and I am a priest of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ died for my sins so I don't have to I have so much to be grateful for but that doesn't mean there isn't struggles
So every day in your life, you know that you have struggles, but you also know there's blessings. So you can decide what you're going to focus on. Your struggles or your blessings. Mary could have sat there and says, you know, I'm not married yet. I'm pregnant. Uh, they want to kill me, which probably they did. Uh, I have a lot to be worried about right now. She didn't say anything in the Magnificat. She just pointed to God and praised him for all in his goodness that he had done for her. And we can do the same. So if we go this Advent and we go and do it with Mary, which is the perfect person to do Advent with, that uh, to live her life or inside of her, if you will, in the person of Christ, that uh, she had Christ living in her. And once she said yes to God's will and she served and she praised God, that's how she prepared for the birth of Jesus, saying yes, serving and praising God. And if Mary did it that way, she's our mother to teach us how to live. That would be a fantastic way to prepare for Christmas. And again, when I talk about writing something down to give that to Jesus this year, too often Christmas is all about me and what am I going to get? And even when we're buying presents, we're buying all these big expensive gifts for everybody else just uh I think I finally, well, I just have a few more, like all my staff. You know, every year drives me completely out of my mind to try to get stuff for the staff because I have uh, the foundation and I have the parish and uh, I got to get something for everybody so nobody can sit there and say, you know, you got, so to buy individual gifts for staff, I can't do Um I don't want jealousy and everything else. So I get something generic. I usually get three gifts for everybody, uh, small things, and I give them um, money from me and money from the parish. Um, and we have a nice dinner at the place. But again, uh, that drives me crazy, you know, to sit there and to be focused on those other things. But often I have, throughout my life, I've went through Advents and Christmases with making sure I got everybody presents except for Christ, whose birthday it is. Isn't that sad? I'm a priest of Jesus Christ and uh, never thought of it in that way before. Oh, I have, but I mean, this year I really want us all to focus on it, and I'm going to focus on it. Again, anything I tell you, it's because the Lord told me first. You know, So it's not like, oh, great insight, Father. No, God hit me and told me this is what I got to do. Okay, so I just tell everybody else. Um, so... What is God calling me to offer him and give to him this Christmas? So for all of us to make Advent and Christmas about Jesus Christ and his body and not about us, our family, and our celebration only. huh? Because you can sit there and say Christmas is about us because, again, you will name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. huh? Fantastic. This is what Jesus Christ was born for, was to save us. So even when we try to make it about him, he still makes it all about us. But it's so important that we learn to be like him. So if he comes and tries and does make everything about us, then we must make everything about him so we can learn to be like him. 
Huh? And so those are the uh, some reflections, if you will, to get us ready for Christmas uh, and be with Mary this Advent. Spend time in silence every day, asking God what his will is, writing that down. Two, how does God want you to serve? If you're alive today, he has a purpose for your life. And in the process of that, how does he want me to serve in my particular parish, no matter where I am? Again, Catholics are not, you know, they talk about 7%. Even in my parish, it's 7% that actually get involved in the parish. Most everybody else just shows up. They give money, but I often say, God has plenty of money. It's in your pockets. Give it up. But he wants you. He wants your time. You have time to go shopping and everything else. You can do something to build up his body, the church. Huh? So ask about what he wants of you every day in his will, um, a particular will for today, but how he wants you to minister in your particular parish. You know, again, sometimes people, Catholics, not anybody here that's watching, but other ones, they go to a parish and they're always complaining about the pastor or complaining about the parish or complaining about the music. And they don't do squat. You know, they don't give a dime. Some of them, they just sit there and they get Jesus every week or every day, but they don't like this and they don't like that. But they don't do anything to build up the body. And they think that they are holy. They're not even on the same planet as holiness. They're not even on the same planet. If the only thing you do is complain about your parish and you don't do anything to build up the body, shame on you. Shame, shame, shame on you. How could you ever say a negative thing about your parish when you won't pick up one finger to help any soul in your parish? Shame, shame, shame. Now, I'm sure none of you are like that. I'm talking to other people, of course. <clears throat> but in my parish, too. And again, people roll their eyes when I get like this. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I gave a pretty strong homily. And you could just tell people with a sigh. <laughs> I was like, oh. I said, ah, you got to be doing what God wants you to be doing. Sorry, that's just the way it is. So what are you doing to help out your parish to build up his body? Every gift that you have been given has been given to you from Jesus to build up his body. Not that you can have more money, not that you can just take care of your family. Every single gift that you have been given has been given to you for the building up of his body. So, and again, remember in the last uh, weeks, we've heard about the talents and God gives the talents. One, 10 talents, another one, five talents, another one, uh, one talent. And the guy with 10 doubled it. The guy with five doubled it. The guy with one buried it. And God sends him out. Why? Because they get it. It wasn't their talent. It wasn't their money. It was God's. The landowners is God. And so they had to build it up for him, for him, for him. The other one just was worried about themselves. They lived in fear. I might go to hell. I better just bury it. Please. You got to use it for his glory. So, Every single one of us must be doing something in our parish to build up the body of Christ. It's not just a parish. It is Jesus. And every gift he's given you is for his glory to help the body of Christ. So you got to do it. <clears throat> okay, I'll get off that soapbox for a second and get to the third again. 
that how are you, what do you thank God for every day? So if we start doing this for three weeks and we're thinking, okay, God, what do you want when I start my prayer instead of what do I want you to do for me? Two, how do you want me to serve? Three, what am I going to praise you for? Then give God the gift that he wants. Because again, I often, uh, like people ask me, you know, Father, what do you want for Christmas? And so because I get people from all over, I just sit there and I have a uh, a uh, thing on uh, Amazon, a wish list on Amazon. And so, but I often just tell people, you know, there's stuff on there, books and that I like, nothing, uh, of course, expensive or anything. Um, I used to put that on my mother and that was alive. But uh, anyway, so, but I always say the best thing, and this is, I'm telling you for your priests and everything else, we don't need anything else for the wall. We don't need anything else for our desk or our office. Uh, gift cards are the best things. It just are. You know, for me, I always say, give me an Amazon gift card, you know, because like uh, I'm redoing all the stuff at my house. I'm redoing the, uh, my kitchen and that. And so I, I've been on Amazon almost every day buying stuff, you know. Uh, uh, I had to buy new uh, sliders for my, my kitchen drawers. And, uh, you know, and so I go on there and I'm, you know, it's just constantly. And I just say, oh, that's the greatest thing is when I can go on there and I can help uh, pay for things like that, you know. So, but again, those are great things uh, for so for me, with my family and different things, I say, what do you want? Tell me what you want, and I'll just buy it for you. So, and that way they get what they want. So how much better if you ask Jesus, Jesus, what do you want this year for your birthday? Huh? And that you can tell him that he'll tell you, and it's going to have to do with service. What does he want you to do for him? Wouldn't that be great if this Christmas... We went to Jesus and gave him what he wanted. That all of us give Jesus a gift. And the gift will always have to do with the building up of his body. You got it? You get it? Are you going to do it? May you know his love today and forever. Amen. Okay, well, let's get here involved in what's going on here on the live chat. Again, Anybody, I often, uh, there's 76 of you watching right now, and there's only usually five, and sometimes it's the same five of you that ask questions every week. So I'm thinking, uh, of all 76 people, none of you other people have questions except for these. This is your time. All you have to do is sit there and type it in, and then I can answer your questions, or you can send uh, email questions and if you want anonymous just put anonymous on there and i won't say your name or anything else but i'm sure if you have questions this would be a fantastic time all you have to do is type them in the comments and we'll get to them god willing harry good to have you back harry yeah i know my I, uh, director told me that uh, you had guests yeah i read that comment thanks for uh telling me but it's good harry that we miss you when you're not here Harry, oh, Father, advice, please. Sure, I have a new neighbor who has not been to Mass for years. She wants me to take her to Midnight Mass. How strict should I be to advise her about confession? Should I just get her to the altar rail and leave that to God? On the Feast of St. Andrew, just bring her to Jesus. If she asks you, um, then tell her. But just to get her there would be a great thing. Again, I'm, I'm a very big one on 
we need to make sure people are set free from their slavery. That's what comes first. Uh, because people, it's hard to follow commandments if you don't know Jesus. Huh? We need to know Jesus. And then we'll do anything for him. Once we come to know how much we're loved, if he asks us or anything, we give it to him. Huh? That's all. We just give it to him because that's what he asks for. So get her there. But if she asked, tell her, you know, it'd be great if you went to confession so you can go to communion and everything else. But don't put that up as an obstacle. Just bring her to Jesus. Fantastic, Carrie. Good to even thinking about that. You, what a great day to even ask the question on the Feast of St. Ambrose. Ambrose, a St. Andrew who brought Peter to Jesus. You bring her to Jesus too. Good afternoon, Father Larry from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. Thank you, Robert. An old Baptist minister would have made the point that communion is essential, confession to a priest and man-made tradition. My new friends would say, no confession, no communion. Of course, no confession, no communion. But um, again, as the Holy Father keeps saying, uh, communion isn't a reward for a good life because none of us are in a state that we can receive communion because all of us, even if we're in a pure state of grace, we still like to do things our way. Uh, but it is a way to help us to come to a conversion and repentance. But again, we have to make sure what the teaching of the church is. But uh, always know that Jesus went beyond. Always, always, always. He went beyond the commandments deeper, and so must we. Do you have any suggestions for acts of penance other than fasting? I found that outside of the day's obligation to fast, I do it selfish reasons. I have a history of issues in this area. Yes, do uh, like again, uh, my little flower used to sit there and have 10 beads. She called them sacrifice beads. And she'd, uh, every time she did a sacrifice for somebody else, she'd move a bead because she wanted to do at least 10 unselfish acts every day. So uh, called sacrificial beads. You can look them up on the internet. Uh, and they're just one of these like things you keep in your pocket uh, and you move it. Uh, it's like a little rosary bead, but only 10 uh, beads on there and they move uh, from one side to the other so you know how many sacrifice beads you've, so many sacrifices you've done today. So it can be something like uh, keeping your mouth shut when you want to say something. It can be, uh, uh, which I, if I, if I had, I'd need 100 of those uh, uh, to do every day to keep my mouth shut anyway but there are lots of things like that so uh good afternoon father larry hi donna people of god okay happy with that do i like the king james version peculiar people <laughs> there, you go. there you go good afternoon all from california always praying for you thank you uh california my favorite place hello from belgium good to have you tony how can someone who struggles with narcissistic behavior best adhere to God first, neighbor second, uh, me third? I am narcissistic too. I don't know anybody that's not. That's uh, part of who we are. Um, so first thing we have to acknowledge that. So it's good that you acknowledge that. And then two, again, if you do something like we just talked about, the little flower did, to do sacrifices for other people every day. So when it comes to God first, others second, myself last, that means first your prayer got to be more important than anything. And that can happen through discipline. You know that, okay, I wake up and I pray, period. There's nothing more important, period. So, and then others are second, do a sacri uh, an act of selflessness. And that's 
if you do this prayer every day for Advent, it'll help you to do an act of service. And then to put yourself last does not mean that you're no good, you're no good, you're no good. But when you put yourself last, God puts you first. When, God, when you put yourself first, God puts you last because you're the God of your own universe. So it's got to be things. Sometimes it's something as simple as writing things down. Okay, God, this is what I'm going to do for you and for others. And when I do that, then I'm not putting myself first. Because when it comes to narcissism, of course, it's a selfishness. Um, but so my time is mine. And so if you can start by giving your time first to God, period, and give him a chunk of it. And my time is mine, and you start by, no, I'm going to give time for somebody else today. Second thing, and then uh, what's left over is yours. It's the opposite of the world today. We've got to put ourselves first, put ourselves first. And again, you hear that enough, and then you start doing it. Because you think, uh, and I'm not talking about uh, letting people walk all over you, but I'm talking about the life of the cross. Again, when you look at the crucifix, there's not one thing on that cross that was about Jesus. It was all about the Father and all about us. And we're called to live like him, right? Love one another as I have loved you. Which means he dies for us. And so that'll uh, kill ourselves spiritually and it'll help kill our narcissism. Thanks for the question. Janet, Father Larry, can you talk about how to overcome distractions during prayer? I struggle with this and would like some help in overcoming it. Sure, Janet. First of all, don't focus on it because, um, again, it's about relationships. So if you have a baby, and we're called to be spiritual children, if you have a baby and that baby is uh, sleeping, burping, playing with your hair, uh, whatever, and, but the baby wants to be with you every time, Every time you try to put the baby down and he or she cries, that child just wants to be with you. We are children in our father's arms. And so we sometimes are just there. Huh? Like I have to do prayers every day, meaning that I have to do the bravery every day and my divine mercy chaplet, my rosary every day. Those are the things that I must do. Made promises to God, uh, made promises to the church. So sometimes I do those well. Sometimes I'm just going through the motions. But I'm still wanting to be with him. And sometimes that's all I got. And sometimes that's enough. So again, your prayer should be God-centered. If you're focused on yourself and your distraction, again, the devil can keep that so you're focused on you, not him. The saints used to sit there and would say little uh, ejaculation prayers to help them focus on Jesus. So, Teresa Avila, just by focusing on one word, Jesus, or for me, the prayer that I uh, always fall back on to come into the presence of God is Abba. Abba, Daddy, Papa. And it can refocus me and refocus me on the Father. Huh? If there's any men here uh, wanting tonight, I'm going to be doing an hour-long talk on the Internet um, for uh, heroic men. So uh, that's just an aside, but Heroic Men is our uh, app that uh, we have from Catholic Men's Leadership Association. And uh, once uh, a quarter, we have a, uh, not just me, but different speakers come in and do an hour-long talk. So tonight, I'm going to be speaking on um, uh, being a son of the Father. What does it mean to be a son of God our Father? And so we'll be talking about Abba a lot and about... Uh, 
being his son and about the Holy Spirit and that. So you got to register for it. It's free, of course. But uh, you just, uh, if you go to any of my uh, website stuff, um, I put the link on there. So on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, not Instagram, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, um, and Twitter. And so you can just go there again. And if you're interested, you can uh, do that tonight. Okay. So again, just don't worry about it. Be focused on God in your prayer, not yourself, not your distraction. Because distraction, again, is something focused on others. You can say one word uh, to get yourself back into the presence of Jesus. But don't go too crazy over it because then you're only focused on yourself and how you are praying instead of just being with the God who loves you as Father and loves when you, his daughter, is with him. And sometimes we can be so focused on praying that we're not entering into intimacy. And every time we're praying, he wants us to enter into intimacy. That's why listening is so important. It's just being with um, someone we love. Again, uh, the story is told that uh, John Vianney, the patron of parish priests, there is a Every day he'd walk into the church and there was a farmer there and he would just spend all this time in front of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. And so one day, the cure, the cure of ours went up to him and says, can I ask you, what do you do when you're here all this time every day? And the man just said, I look at him and he looks at me. Huh? I look at him and he looks at me. That is prayer. Even if you're distracted, no matter what, stay focused on Jesus. So um, don't go too crazy, Janet. Look at him. You're going to be fine. Bruce, Father Larry, have you ever heard of a reading starting on December 1st to 21st, the book of Luke, to follow the journey of Bethlehem? Yes, I think it's a fantastic uh, a thing. The, the only time... I get concerned about any of these things as if we just do it, even like when I had everybody read the four Gospels during um, uh, Lent last year. If they just did it to get it done, that would be problematic. But if they did it to get to know Jesus more and write down, like I asked them to, write down uh, the characteristics of Jesus so you can be more like him, totally different than I just, oh, yeah, I read the two chapters every day. So, Again, if it's going to help you, go for it. But don't do it just to do something. Huh? Greetings from England. Well, thanks. Good to have you. I love England. Um, yeah, when I was there, I was just sitting there thinking I'd, I'd love to be over there just to say hi for a little bit now. So if you have any places over there, I want to come over and do some talks in England. That would be fantastic. Just call the foundation. It would be great. Have a blessed and fruitful new liturgical year to all. Father Larry, you're a modern-day living prophet. Let's hope we all have to be prophets, of course. Love your frankness, truth. May the Holy Spirit shower you, please. Hopefully, Holy Spirit takes complete control. Honky-tonk. Hi, honky-tonk. Thank you, Father Larry. Bring us closer to Christ. Your feet are definitely beautiful. You heard the homily today. Good job. What do you say are the five most important books in the Old Testament and the five in the New Testament? Well, that's hard because they're all inspired by God, huh? For me, I love Isaiah in the Old Testament because um, that's where I uh, first came to know God, Isaiah 43, verses 1 to 5. Um, the, and there's so much uh, suffering servant in Isaiah, it's fantastic. The book Hosea, 
is a fantastic book of Hosea that talks about God is our Father and He just keeps loving us. And He just wants us to come to Him. Genesis is so good in the fact that uh, we see what sin is, but we also see the promise of redemption. Exodus, when we see the reality of uh, God sets us free before he gives us the commandments. And again, often we just don't keep it in that order. We give people commandments without ever having them being set free from slavery. That is why it doesn't work. And then, of course, the Psalms, which I pray every day, every day, every day, every day, every day, which these 150 prayers or songs uh, are the same prayers and songs that Jesus prayed every day and the church prays. So that would be my five in the Old Testament. My five in the New Testament is, for me, the book of John, uh, where Jesus talks about divinity, but he talks about us abiding in his love and his commandment to love one another. The book of Galatians, where he talks about, I have been crucified with Christ. The life I live now is no longer my own, but Jesus lives inside of me. The book of Ephesians, where he really calls us to live the life. Huh? Um, the, the book of Philippians, where the, the beautiful uh, hymn of, uh, though he was in the form of God, Philippians 2, Jesus did not deem equality with God something to be grasped at. Rather, he emptied himself and took the form of a slave. Hmm, fantastic about how we're called to do that very same thing. The Acts of the Apostles, because it shows how the early Christians, after listening to Jesus Christ, how they implemented that in their lives. Because sometimes we just try to implement the last couple centuries of the way they lived in our lives, Jesus in the, their lives. But I think it's so important. We always go back to way, how did Jesus do it? How did Jesus pray? Even when we're fighting over the liturgy, how did Jesus at the first liturgy? I think the, the closer we always get to that, the more authentic everything is. All the other stuff that's been added throughout the years are important, but they're not essential. I think we always have to go back to that. And so in the Acts of the Apostles, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it shows the four acts of the early church. It says they dedicated themselves to the teaching apostles' communal life to the breaking of the bread, mass, and to the prayers. So that's how the early disciples lived, and so that's the way we're called to live uh, also. Um, I don't know if I uh, did four or five. But anyway, those are the ones that to me are, uh, yeah, the best. Okay. Okay, Christmas is the greatest struggles for, of all families, but it's also the greatest encounter of the Holy Family, of course. But again, that's got to be a personal thing with you and Jesus too. My text won't enter. Well, it did now. Jack, great to make in the chat today. Great to hope you got my response today, Jack. Um, Durango, Joe, I was uh, sexually abused at 13 years old, turned to sex and porn until I had a conversion at 50. I have been celibate and sober from porn for five years now. God bless you. Because of grace and love. So how do you have an intimate relationship with God if intimacy means sex? Ooh, intimacy doesn't mean sex in itself. 
it's part of sex, but a lot, 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 a lot of people have sex with no intimacy. Huh? Intimacy, Jesus was the most intimate of any person with everybody. The woman caught in adultery, Zacchaeus, but he never had sex with them. Intimacy is this uh, knowledge, this oneness. It can include sex, but it has in, in marriage, but um, I'm, I'm a virgin celibate, and I'm always talking about this intimacy with Jesus to, to, to know him and for him to know me. Um, so it got to go there. I mean, again, everybody knows by now that I was sexually abused and I was in seminary by the rector of the seminary. But it doesn't dictate who I am, right? I, I often say I am not a survivor. I am not a victim. I am a warrior because... And the only way that happened is by me forgiving the man, letting it go, letting Jesus cover it with his blood. So I can now be free to make sure I'm doing God's will. So, but I couldn't do that without intimacy with God. Huh? So hopefully that happens, Joe. Um, and to let God go back with you to all the places that still have hurt there. And if you go back there with Jesus... And you let Jesus, like on the cross, if you will, but take one hand, let one drop of the blood of Jesus cover you. And with the other hand, let the blood of Jesus cover the other person. So you can let it be healed. So you can move on. Huh? That's the way I've done it. It's the way it's been best for me. And I'm, I'm just saying, but don't always equate sexuality with intimacy. You don't have to do that. I've been intimate with many people and with God without ever having sex with anybody. Not even close to having sex with anybody, in case anybody's wondering. Uh, not even close, uh, because I have issues. But anyway, do-do-do-do-do. I want to know when you will convert to Judaism. <laughs> there you go. I, don't, I could never convert to Judaism. Why? Because of Jesus in the Eucharist. Anyway, and I'm also, I can't, uh, in Judaism, there's too much justice. There's not enough mercy. And I just think that, uh, like even the story of Abraham uh, being asked to give up his son. When we put that with Christianity, so when God says, Abraham, uh, don't you kill your son to prove my love for you. What Jesus, what the father does is looks at him, if you will, and says, Abraham, don't you give up your son to prove your love for me. I'll give up my son to prove my love for you. And that's why John the Baptist introduces Jesus as behold the Lamb of God, that God the Father gave up his son. So uh, Judaism without Christianity, to me, just doesn't make sense. Now, again, do we Jewish people say, well, I don't know, no, you can't. Of course I can say that. That's why I'm a Christian. But doesn't mean that Judaism is wrong or bad, you know, but for me. And so, of course, I can say that. Now they can yell and scream, and I can yell and scream back, but that's not what this is about. We all have the same Father. But for me, I just need Jesus. Okay. Mike, is it a mortal sin to use God's name in vain? It could be. But not normally, because committed mortal sin is a serious matter, full knowledge, full consent. And a lot of people don't have full consent. Um, official ch church documents that support your opinion. 
Uh, I don't need official church documents for that. You can look up, up in the catechism, of course. But in the Old Testament, if you said God's name in vain, what would they do? Go back to Leviticus. You got stoned to death just for saying God's name. You were stoned. So I think it's a big thing to God, and that was a command of God. You can look it up. So just put uh, using God's name, punishment for using God's name. Look it up in Google. It'll give you all those scripture verses. But you can put in the catechism, using God's name in the catechism, and it'll give you the, the thing for that. And again, uh, something as simple as uh, detraction can be mortally sinful, and people do it all the time. Huh? So we got to just watch. Like someone, it's just, just uh, as an aside, everybody's been uh, going crazy with Cardinal Burke, and people were saying that uh, the Holy Father uh, said he's my enemy, which is a lie, and yet people keep saying it. And so when his biographer went in and asked him, did you say that he never, never said I, and he never called him my enemy, he never said my or enemy. Um, he just, you know, has publicly went against the Holy Father again and again. And the same thing, when you are disobedient, there are penalties, you know, and especially because of the great pride that people think when they took a vow, especially a cardinal took a vow to support Peter, the Pope, and he has publicly again and again and again and again, and he was at the synod outside and going against it, and he just, and he comes off as all humble, I'm just asking questions. Sounds like the devil to me. Remember how he got uh, Eve? He just asked the question. Did God really say? So tell me. And then after he answers, not, it's just, um, I have respect for the cardinal, but he's been wrong in how he's been talking about the Pope. And he deserves what he has been saying and doing. The Holy Father should have uh, uh, taken all that stuff away from him much earlier. And if he doesn't watch, the Holy Father can take away him being a cardinal. It's a title that he, um, the Holy Father can take away as well as give. He'd still be a bishop, but he can take away that. It's, a, it's something that the Pope gives and it can be taken away. But anyway, so we got to make sure that when we look at all these things, we have to watch because people commit uh, uh, mortal sin. But you again, we, it, it's a serious sin, let me say that. Because again, mortal sin, you don't know to commit a mortal sin, it's serious matter, full knowledge, full consent. All three of those things must be present to commit a mortal sin. Okay. FC, I have been waking up at around 3, 3.30 very frequently recently. What should I do spiritually? Or is it just a physical thing, nothing spiritual? Well, you can make it spiritual, huh? When I wake up, I woke up early this morning, couldn't go back to sleep, and so I prayed. Went in there and spent time with Jesus. You can always pray and make it a spiritual reality. Let us all pray for our priests, even the blemished ones. No priests, no sacraments. Absolutely. Is Pope Francis the spiritual father of his bishops? Yes. Are bishops spiritual fathers of the priests? Yes. Shouldn't fathers take face-to-face in love and iron out any differences before punishing? Yes, and he has. Uh, but again, sometimes uh, we don't know what goes behind the scenes. Again, you got to watch how, where that question is going. Um, like even the dubias, there's many dubias, and they should always be made private. But the cardinals who put out the two dubias made them public. So they're the ones that made this all public. 
And again, we only look at the one side. To be disobedient to your Holy Father, like I take a vow of obedience, there are uh, just uh, penalties that go with that. And when you do it again and again and you put yourself above the Holy Father that you think you know more, there's no humility there. And again, I think because the, what he has done is public, the punishment must be public. It's just that it's uh, not good, but it's, it's a shame. We've got to keep praying. We've got to pray for the church. Again, the devil's bringing disunity. Again, remember, when we say, oh, I don't know. I haven't said anything different than anybody else said. Well, that's what Lefebvre said when he wouldn't get and listen to Vatican II. I've, I've been holding a tradition of uh, 2,000 years. Who am I? And then they just wouldn't be obedient and change because we don't have a dead tradition. We have a living tradition. So, of course, we can move on. And the God meeting with the world when John, uh, Pope John Twenty-Third, the great saint, when he started the Vatican II. Again, but these things are not that simple. We make everything very black and white, including me. But we always got to know there's a lot more that we do not know. Just trust me on that. Okay. Father Larry, tremendous masses here. Thank you, uh, Colossians. Oh, yeah. I think that is what is above, none of what is on earth. I was wondering what this means to you. Insight can offer great thanks. Think of what is above, not as what of the earth. Again, it makes me thinking about what God wants of us, going his will and not our will. We always think about our clothing. Remember when Jesus says, do not be worried about your clothing and what you are to eat and what you are to wear. God knows that, huh? Um, let me get through these. I ain't going to get through this today. What happened to all the priests when they say you can't serve as a priest anymore? You're all a priest forever, no matter what. Even if you're in hell, you're a priest forever. Father, thank you for being so direct. Uh, I pray the Our Father with so much more attention now. South Africa, Cape Town, good to have you here with us today. From Australia, I love Australia, especially Perth. Just woke up in the middle of the night and couldn't fall asleep, so happened to find, enjoy the live chat. I know how often you do this host chat every Wednesday from 3 to 5, right here. Or 3 to, what am I saying, 3 to 5, 3 to uh, 4, which I'm going to be done. I have to go see my shrink in two minutes. Uh, boo-hoo, you skipped my question. Do Catholics believe in the rapture? Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't. No, we do not believe in the rapture. If you go uh, look at a few uh, a few episodes back, I talk explicitly about the rapture because someone cornered me in, a, in the airport and asked me about the rapture. But no, we do not. Is the Ten Commandments not to use God's name in vain? Exactly. What kind of dog do you have? Well, he's a mixture. He's, he's a uh, black lab. He's a good dog. Father Larry, you're at Perth. Thank you. I am from Perth. Good job. I was at Perth a couple, about five years ago at the uh, fantastic Michael Chong down there. Fantastic man. Uh, fantastic group. I want to come back to Perth one of these days. And Michael wants to get me down there, and I want to go back. It's a, fan, it's a 15 and a half hour flight from uh, L.A., but that's beside the point. Okay, I got to get out of here. But thank you all for being with me this week. Uh, let's go and do our Advent time together by listening what God wants and wanting his will more than our next breath, by saying yes to his will every day, by asking God how he wants us to serve, and by praising him every day. Got it? The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He was Father and Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. I love you and I'm praying for you. Please pray for me. God bless you. <laughs> See you next week, God willing.